When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. An Erio's original. I was born with a special gift the ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith. And I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today we're discussing the A Million Little Pieces book scandal. Here's what you need to know. In 2003, author and recovering addict James Fry published his memoir, A Million Little Pieces, detailing his drug-addled adolescence and rocky path to rehabilitation. Recounting his darkest days of substance abuse, he wrote, Lying became part of my life. I lied if I needed to lie to get something or get out of something. Within the fiercely graphic account of his life as a 23-year-old facing his inner demons during his six weeks in rehab, James Fry chronicled the stories of his 14 arrests, assaulting a cop, spending three months in jail, beating up a priest, and finding himself on the wanted list of three different states. 
James Fry wrote his first piece of writing in 1994, after graduating from Denison College and leaving rehab. Finding little success as a young novelist, Fry moved to Los Angeles to become a screenwriter. He wrote the romantic comedy Kissing a Fool and low-budget film Sugar, The Fall of the West, neither of which made a splash. Frustrated by Hollywood, Frey returned to his literary pursuits. After taking out a second mortgage on his house, he spent the next year writing about his addiction and recovery. The result was a million little pieces. Cassie Ivashevsky took an interest in the book and became his literary agent, sending a million little pieces to publishers. Publishing house Doubleday loved the book and offered James Fry a $50,000 advance. In 2003, A Million Little Pieces was published as a memoir, and the reaction was electric. Critics and readers praised James Fry for his unflinchingly honest and unvarnished recovery memoir, calling it the war and peace of addiction. But behind the effusive accolades, one reporter for the Minneapolis Star Tribune questioned the plausibility of the book. When the reporter asked the publisher why there was no author's note to clarify the facts, she was told, quote, It's a total slip-up that we didn't have a disclaimer page. I'm embarrassed. Two years later, there was still no disclaimer. In October 2005, A Million Little Pieces was featured on Oprah's book club, and James Fry appeared on her show. He told Oprah, quote, If I was going to write a book that was true, and I was going to write a book that was honest, then I was going to have to write about myself in very negative ways. Three months later, the honest, ugly truth behind a million little pieces was finally revealed. It wasn't true. Thanks to an investigative website called The Smoking Gun, James Fry was exposed for fabricating events, greatly embellishing stories, and outright lying about his past in his memoir. After initially defending him, Oprah invited Fry back on the show, aggressively interrogating him about his lies on behalf of the millions of readers who felt duped and betrayed. I, I don't know what is true, and I don't know what isn't. So first of all, I wanted to start with, with the smoking gun report titled The Man Who Conned Oprah, and I want to know where they write. I, I think most of what they wrote was pretty accurate, absolutely. Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Stats. In the three months after Oprah Winfrey chose A Million Little Pieces as part of her book club, more than two million copies were sold, making it the fastest-selling book in the club's 10-year history. It topped the New York Times bestseller list for 15 straight weeks. The book was published in 28 languages by 30 different publishers. James Fry and Random House were ordered to pay $2.35 million in a class action lawsuit for defrauding readers. Customers were able to claim a refund if they submitted a sworn statement that they would not have bought the book if they knew certain facts had been embellished. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. Fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. And our very special guest today is Eric Silver. Hi, Eric. I'm in so many pieces. Help me. <laughs> oh, no. Pick them up quick. Get the broom. Oh, no. They're disgusting. all stuck to my hand. How do I get them off? They're like little sprinkles. Uh, well, I, I want to tell our listeners about your podcast. Um, Eric is the host of Games and Feelings. He's also the host of Join the Party. He's also the host of Tell Me About It. 
And he's the host of a million little podcasts. (laughs) Wow. Come on. Each one is about exploring my trauma in a different way. (laughs) (laughs) Can you please tell our listeners about, uh, I, I guess pick your favorite. Little, yeah, pick your favorite. Eric. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, For you sure. could give us like a quick rundown of each of them. Yeah, all of my podcasts involve games. I love games. I love doing games for other people. Uh, I love using games uh, to have fun. And podcasting seems to be a very good medium for that to happen. So mm. uh, Join the Party is a Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast where we use the rules and game of Dungeons & Dragons to tell a story. Currently, we're doing a uh, campaign set in a world of plant and bug people uh, hmm. and it's a pirate story as well which is a lot of fun and i'm the dungeon master of that uh so i get a lot of fun coming up with the, the storylines and the settings and doing lots of voices and stuff uh games and feelings is an advice show about games the comedy advice show raises its head once again but we give actual <laughs> good advice and good jokes about Ooh. things related to games whether we're talking about board games video games uh sports whether you should take someone to an escape room on a date, etc. And mm. of course, Tell Me About It is a game show run by an eccentric billionaire. Uh, think about it. It's like a Taskmaster, the podcast, uh, where we have mm. people talk about their favorite shows. Uh, sorry, where we have people talk about their favorite things and they need to prove it to this eccentric billionaire and me, his audio butler, as we <laughs> run them through a few different crazy <laughs> rounds of, of various things. Well, there's a lot for our listeners to choose from mm-hmm. uh, from this uh, wide collection. Eric, we'd like to start off the show by asking our guests, what is something that's recently alarming you? What's something that's keeping you up at night? Oh, man, I think it has to be Twitter, right? Mm. Yeah. You know, I know it's been a slow descent ever since Elon Musk bought it, and it's not like it was good before, but <laughs> gosh darn, he sure does like showing people that he has no fucking idea what he's doing. And I love Twitter. I think it's what you needed to be. Like, you can't have Instagram because I'm not hot enough. I'm not oh. young enough for TikTok. I'm also... <laughs> And I'm not really, I, I fell out of love with Tumblr and the hard times. And mm. I know there are some real diehards who have been sticking around. And Twitter was really good because it wasn't like a content machine necessarily. Like, that's the thing about TikTok is like, I can't get into TikTok because I spend all day making stuff. I can't do more. I can't teach myself video editing on right. top yeah. of that. So Twitter was my like nice little place where I could talk to people and like do tweets and just like fire off ideas. Um, and also it was written, which I, I really liked. So um, it really bums me out that Twitter continues to die. But I'm really hoping and I'm sure what will happen is Elon Musk will sell it in 2024 and hopefully it'll have a rebound uh, much like Tumblr did. Mm. But I'm just kind of like waiting around. You're waiting for it. around. You're just waiting around till 2024. Yeah. yeah. OK, well, I'm trying to see how we can transition into this book scandal. There's writing. Their scandal, it's right there. But it's right. it does come happening. down to someone spending a lot of money on something and realizing that, it wasn't what they thought. For wasn't sure, what they thought it was. Yes. Yeah, there it is. There it is. We found it. We arrived. And why don't we start? This is an odd thing to put up for first uh, on the board, but let's just go for it. Okay. I want to put up Jack Kerouac. Charles Bukowski and Henry Miller wow. up on the board. Wow. Hell yes. Let's hear yes. why. 
This is from Vanity Fair. Since as early as he can remember, James Fry's heroes were rebels. As a teenager growing up in Cleveland and suburban Michigan, he became enamored uh, of the works of Henry Miller, Jack Kerouac, and Charles Bukowski, three icons of male debauchery and bohemianism. Fry romanticized their hard living and by the age of 14 was drinking and smoking pot regularly. Eventually, he was also doing crack, meth, and acid. It was not just the behavior described in those books that struck a chord with Fry. It was also their literary significance. All three authors mingled fact and fiction, sometimes writing fantastic versions of themselves and their experiences. Quote, that's what I always thought I would do, says Fry, swiveling several feet away in his Aeron chair, sounding a bit defensive. Write about my own life in some way that, in the best case scenario, would constitute art or literature. Mm. You know what's super funny about this is like James Frey read these is like, wow, Bukowski, what a cool dude. I love how he made himself sound so cool and how great he is at relationships and drinking. <laughs> <laughs> All these guys, right? Henry Miller, the same. Um, and then he's like, what am I going to write about myself? Oh, I'm going to look like the biggest absolute D bag possible. <laughs> and everything, and no one, he couldn't even write himself cool. It's so funny that that's what he was looking at. Eric, did you read the book? No, I oh, was. No, me neither. Have no, any, but I don't think any of us have no, you read I, it, Clay. Mm-mm. No, I don't I, think we've. I read all the tabloids news about the book, but yes. not the book itself. <laughs> <laughs> Typical. At, at the risk of me saying my age, because I'm just a buxom twenty two twenty two years old. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, my mom was super into Oprah at the mm, time, mm, so oh, she, yeah. I knew about it from there because she would tape Oprah when yep. she came home from. Uh, she would watch Oprah. She would watch over after she taped it. So I I saw this episode, but I don't remember it all that much. So I never read it because in 2003, I was also like in middle school. Uh, so I don't I was not going to read a cool Bukowski-esque <laughs> memoir at the time. I was too busy trying to make myself seem cool in Mr. Deaver's class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got onto this too through Oprah and through those interviews. And it's just so funny how those interviews where she is basically scolding him mm. like yeah. the second one where he goes back and she's basically scolding him i'm sure he would have made charles bukowski so proud the way he just <laughs> yeah, yeah sat there with his hat boy. his hat in his hands and just like accepted <laughs> his like being talked to on live television in front of millions of people now something interesting about that is the fact that you really can't find that interview online yeah opa scrubbed it you you can only find the apology apparently oprah was embarrassed with her performance during of that course interview. yeah and jesus christ which we'll we'll talk about oprah in a little bit um can i pre put oprah to jail can i indict oprah <laughs> <laughs> you can but i mean it hurts my heart i you, love oprah <laughs> you can you can we have a backdoor jail like a holding cell uh-huh. but it's usually for like people who are behaving radically or sure could pose a danger she's got a justice others. though there's a processor she has to be on the board first before yes. we just throw her she's in jail the, yes 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 so let's so definitely put her on the board and maybe she'll well, end up there there's a warrant out for oprah is that okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm curious to hear why eric is so hell-bent on on 
getting well, Oprah. Well, why don't I let jail, me read this we'll and then we'll get into it. I know okay. it's huge. I know it's big. I this Oprah is definitely uh someone in my mind. So I will okay. I'm sure we'll okay. get that. Well, I, this is from Time magazine. Let's put Oprah up on the board. Okay. And uh saying she was unapologetic about publishing the book, publisher Nantalise mm-hmm. said that it was Oprah who needed to apologize for her behavior in the affair. Talise argued that Frey had described himself as a liar, cheater, and an addict, and under those circumstances, she did not believe she was uh, she did not believe she was reading the New Testament, where every word was avowed truth. She described Oprah as exhibiting fiercely bad manners. Mm. Now, uh. I, I mean, I, I've been trying. I, I wish I could have known that your mom. Your, I, I'm sure your mom's tape of this Oprah episode, if she kept it, is worth so much right now because you can't find it on the internet (laughs) and all you can find is again oprah apologizing and her saying you know i didn't treat you with the compassion that i treat every all of my interviewees Mm. i guess she she must have really laid it and Mm. just she i think she keeps saying she was embarrassed she says she's embarrassed multiple times you know really turns out oprah hasn't has might have an ego Oh, weird. It's so odd that a kajillionaire might have a little bit of an ego. That's so weird. Um, yeah, I mean, Oprah's number one is Oprah is my uh, put her in jail number one. I'm sure there's a word for this. Crime uh, suspect? Do we- yes. Yeah. I'm rounding up a posse to get not Oprah. Not just in general, yeah. not in your life, but for this, you mean? Or, yeah, for or this specifically. No, I'm not trying to put Oprah away. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, she was great in Lee Daniels, the butler. I can't help fault her for that. <laughs> um, so Oprah has a history of platforming people who are Garbo, right? Mm-hmm. Like Dr. Phil, mm-hmm. Dr. Oz. Mm-hmm. She has a lot of weight wow. stuff that she's dealt with. True. And she's really susceptible to people who will, who will say, oh, my God, this one trick will make you skinny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we can just insert entire episode of Maintenance Phase in here. So, which we'll have to Clayton just added that in Chris just added that in <laughs> Great. and like I'm of course she gets to stand up on her incredibly popular show and say oh my god I got duped but you were girl you're the one who got him you were the one right. who put him on and he the 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 thing is the the book didn't go on Oprah's list for two years it got published in 2003 and she didn't put him on until 2005 so like this was also peak, 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 peak. Oprah's reading list being the right. way you sell kajillions of copies, yeah. right? So right. she did it. And like again, I I don't know necessarily if Oprah has a team involved, but when right. your show's name is Oprah, you're gonna take that responsibility. She loves platforming people and then being like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." Doctor Oz almost won a Senate seat in <laughs> Pennsylvania know, be, just because he doesn't know how to pronounce crudite. We got super lucky. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then and that's what happened and he's going out and just spouting maga bullshit so like wow. he's put them on and, and it's her responsibility ultimately wow that was really really All impressive right. uh yeah. it's a good as to why argument, yeah. should be in jail 
I Dr. mean, part Phil, of me is like Doctor Phil is pure evil. Are we yeah. all? I mean, yeah, Doctor Oz is terrible, terrible. But Doctor Phil guy. is pure evil. We shouldn't yeah. be going to Oprah for doctor recommendations. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> he gave us two duds. She's done. <laughs> we thought we could trust her with yeah. books, but maybe not <laughs> yeah, <laughs> either. <laughs> I do like. Part of me wants to be like, well, if she's Oprah. She's super busy. Like, how much is she actually vetting these people or these books? But I also feel like in the Alarmist, sometimes it's like we you want we often come back to like who's in charge you know like and they're the ones who are yeah he's the face of her company to your point eric it's called it was a huge springboard for this book too now i don't want to go any further into this episode without putting the author james fry up (laughs) on the board it's like he's so lame we don't want to put him he's not even fun enough to blame in the case (laughs) okay This is from The Guardian. In the account of the incident in a a million little pieces, Fry hits a police officer with his car, reacts violently to arrest, is charged with assault with a deadly weapon, among other things, and ends up sentenced to an 87-day jail term. The smoking gun, this is the website that kind of uncovered an investigative website, Mm -hmm. contacted the police department in Licking County, Ohio, and questioned Sergeant Dave Dudgeon, Dudgeon revealed that, in fact, the author was issued with two traffic tickets, one for driving under the influence and one for driving without a license, and received a misdemeanor criminal summons for having an open bottle of beer in his vehicle. So funny. <laughs> Fry Just spent- like Bukowski. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Fry spent five hours in police custody and was released with on, on a 733 cash bond. Uh, again, this is from The Smoking Gun. In addition to rap sheet creations, Fry also invented a role for himself in a deadly train accident that cost the lives of two female high school students. In what may be the book's, his book's most crass flight from reality, Fry remarkably appropriates and manipulates details of the incident so he can falsely portray himself as the tragedy's third victim. Mm. In his second interview with Oprah Winfrey, James Fry said, When you go through an experience like the one I went through, you develop different coping mechanisms. I think one of the coping mechanisms I developed was sort of this image of myself that was greater than what I actually was. In order to get through the experience of of the addiction, I thought of myself as being tougher than I was than I was and badder than I was. And it helped me cope. And when I was writing the book, Instead of being as introspective as I should have been, I clung to that image. Oprah Winfrey said, and did you cling to that image because that's how you wanted to see yourself? Or did you cling to that image because that's that would make a book a a better book? James Fry said, probably both. Cool. Good job. Yeah, we're all coping here. I I didn't pretend that my girlfriend uh that my girlfriend killed herself. I, oh I didn't pretend to beat up a cop or and a priest also. No. It is terrible. The 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 thing that gets me is all the details that he talks about and how what jail was like, what color uniforms they wore, they wore and stuff like that. It just is like so pathetic when you eventually find out he's only been there for like five hours i mean i feel like this makes me feel like there's room on the board for like an old-fashioned greed or like capitalism even like he's clearly fudging the details 
for the sole purpose know. of I, writing a better book, you know? Clayton, can I push back on this? Because sure, I please. thought it was really funny that he got a $50,000 advance. I don't know if he was actually doing it for the money. Gee whiz. <laughs> sure, sure. But, I mean, eventually he got that. You know, if yeah. Oprah decides to pick up your book and you realize you've been lying about your memoir for two years, maybe you don't say, yeah, Oprah, put me on your show and let my book soar, sales soar. Can we put the publishing industry in on the board then? Oh, yeah. Because again, sure. that money doesn't go into his pocket. That goes to Nantalise and, sure. uh, <laughs> and Random House. Uh, sure. I, would, I would also love to put the um, new journalism movement, uh, <laughs> which includes Joan Didion, Hunter S. Thompson, and Nantalise's husband, Gay Talese who is oh. a very famous American journalist who wrote very, very, very famous profiles in like early Esquire and the New York Times about Joe DiMaggio and Frank Sinatra. So like, how do you think she got that cushy publishing job mm. by being wow. married to one of the pioneers of new journalism? Wow. Okay, Eric, can you tell us a little bit about new journalism? Because you seem to know, you seem to know about yeah, this. And us, I'm just yeah. looking this up and it looks like it's basically articles that are a bit more sort of biased. Is that Wait, kind of... And before you do that, let me just make sure I've got what you want to throw on the board. You want... Who, who are all the people that were throwing up? Just so I, I want to throw the publishing industry on the sure. board. Sure. And I want to throw Gay Talese and the new journalism movement up underneath the other writers that Rebecca just said. Because I thought that was so funny. And I also wanted to do that later on in the okay. episode. <laughs> so throw Hunter S. Thompson's going up there as well, as well as Joe Didion. Um, so then just to summarize this really quickly, because I, I have an English degree and I'm going to use it. I don't have a journalism degree. Super quick. You know what we understand is like the modern profile not like the bullshit one that happens now where like melissa mccarthy says you gotta go skydiving with her and then etc but like remember that like johnny depp profile that came out a while ago where that guy spent like a full week with him and stayed mm. up every single night drinking wine you know celebrity profiles okay, like yes. the big, yeah that's basically comes from new journalism it was from uh, a, a movement in the 60s and 70s to insert the writer into profiles, which then creates what we now understand as like this modern idea gotcha. of journalism gotcha. and writing. Mm. If you could only imagine that, like, even before this, that this is like new uh, newspapers refused to let the writer be a, a um, an active participant in the story. You can think it's even more uh, more kind of like cut and dry as it is now. Um, these are things yeah. that the New York Times still kind of harps on when they publish garbage in their opinion. Like they keep all the garbage only in the opinion section, but all the <laughs> other stuff needs to be perfect. That's kind of like where that's what it was like in the advent of the um, newspaper in the early 20th century. And the new journalism movement allowed journalists to involve themselves in the story, which is what we get from Hunter S. Thompson, right? Mm. Hunter S. Thompson talking about how crazy all of his cool shit is because he is a character in his own debauchery. And then Gaitel is writing very interesting profiles about Joe DiMaggio. That one's very, very famous. Gotcha. And from them stem, and from that stems this like celebrity authorship, a celebrity authorism type of deal. Yeah, exactly. And like, not only is Nan Talese respected because she's married to Gay Talese because the publishing industry is a goddamn nightmare. <laughs> I think also this is like where we get the modern in so, so many different ways. The modern memoir is an extension of this in a different way. Um, I want, you, 
there, so, I'm so sorry to cut you off, but you're think, uh, you made me think of something where what uh, that I think is really interesting um, in, in terms of this tragedy, which is that he it's again, let's remember that it's a it's a memoir. Right. right. So <laughs> it's 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 exactly what you are talking about, but he did it to his own life. Like he treated yeah. himself right. as if he was this uh, celebrity right. mm. or his life like it was this, you know, important um, uh, story. Right. And uh, inserted then, him. you know, it, it's just so funny to me, um, especially when you know the background where he he had been trying for years to become a serious author and nothing was going right. well. And so now he's just got to like dig in and... It, this it, this feels like his last ditch effort. Right. Do we call that the modern memoir, as Eric said, and put that on the board? Yeah, we can do the modern memoirs as well. Um, I didn't know how apologetic we can get on this show. I was, Rebecca, I was so worried you were going to steer into like, if only Hitler had gone into art school <laughs> sort of territory. <laughs> oh, if only James Frey had become a middling uh, Hollywood writer and he had stayed doing that, we would have been kept from this whole thing. No, we're getting him. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of really good stuff in there. Do we want to put new journalism up there too? or And do we also want to put um, just the publishing industry? Or the publishing yeah, I think publishing like, industry is up, okay. Publishing industry is up, okay, and uh, and Nan, we should get to Nan. Nan's up. Um, I have I've Nan to up. Okay. Nan, and, I think it has been propped up by the publishing industry because right. it, everyone in the publishing industry is like, oh, she she hung out with Joe DiMaggio when her husband was there, was there, oh, and like just no, absolutely no examination that this right. manuscript is just like, oh, this is a, this is you know, a hot piece of something. I'm just really excited about it. And then let's it, talk about that. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. So let's put the publishers up on the board, and this is from uh, again from Vanity Fair. The James Fry scandal is the story of a literary genre in which publishers thought they had found the surefire recipe for success, but one with with such dangerously combustible ingredients that it could explode at any moment. On the one hand, memoirs have often been afforded a certain poetic license to stray from absolute truth in the interest of storytelling. On the other, they had have the appeal of the real. Over the years, the marketplace hungered for more of both. Give us more drama and tell us it's all true. The publishing world responded, pumping up both. This is from the LA Times. Publishers argue Michael Hoyt, editor of the Columbia Journalism Review, have abandoned their role as gatekeepers. Mm, For most people in the regular reading world, says Jason Blair, the former New York Times reporter who was fired in 2003 for making for fake quotes, faking quotes, interviews and even expensive accounts. Memoirs implies that what's on the page of the book will be true. But what I've found is that I've spent more time in the publishing industry. The reality is far from that. Mm -hmm. What you realize is that even though the public will tell you they want the truth in memoirs, what the publishing industry's research tells them is that they want something they can believe is true, yet is first an interesting story. Mm -hmm. Categories matter, says Lee Gutkin, uh, because they help persuade people to pay for the book. Gutkind uh, believes that publishers should explain the author's intention more clearly to the reader. 
If Doubleday had done that, he says, they might have sold three million copies, but their integrity would be intact. Mm -hmm. The villain in the Fry story, at least in media circles, is the publishing industry. Winfrey has taken Fry back into the fold, saying she believes in him and in a a million little pieces, but blames the publishers on whom she she depends to identify the category. The category should be more sophisticated, agrees Lawrence Wexler. Yeah. Readers should be more educated. Truth is not absolute. Scrupulousness is a category we look for. Yeah, I think it's important to also point to the Oprah episode. She brings out Nan Talese and like scolds her for a bunch. So it's like Oprah is so ready to pin it on someone else, mm-hmm. even if that person isn't even James Fry. Very true. And Nan doesn't do a great job, honestly, of defending herself or and or sort of you know, she there was not a lot of scrupulousness when it came to her uh, looking into this memoir. Like, like it, the this little excerpt explains, if it if it, if it's exciting, if it's titillating, let's go. Yes, here here's a, a what uh, Nantalise told Oprah: a memoir is different from an autobiography. A memoir is an author's remembrance of a certain period in his life. Now, the responsibility, as far as I am concerned is does it strike me as valid? Does it strike me as authentic? I mean, I'm sent things all the time and I think they're not real. I don't think they're authentic. In this instance, I absolutely believed what I read. Mm-hmm. I was I was having a bunch of laudlum and then Joe DiMaggio was there and I didn't really know what was going on. <laughs> don't think it's funnier to me than Oprah yelling at a 74-year-old woman, very rich woman, mm-hmm. who's, who is still an editor, just sitting on her couch, the same one that Tom Cruise jumped on, just being like, you you're bad, and you made me look bad. <laughs> me I just, I look bad. So uh, can I throw something else on the board? Please. Yes. The thing that I think is a good indicator that something's going to be bad is the stream of consciousness writing style, mm. which is apparently all over a million little pieces. This is incredible. <laughs> Frey makes this is just from Wikipedia uh, because uh, although I had to bust out and use Wikipedia instead of the lovely dossier you have all put together for me, um, <laughs> Frey makes frequent use of stream of consciousness writing, which is intended to allow the reader to better understand his version of the events. Fuck off, Wikipedia. That's not true. Uh, Frey's unique writing style also involves capitalizing nouns throughout the book for unclear reasons. Frey also uses heavy repetition of words throughout the text. Man, th- all this garbage, and I, we can just put this up as stream of consciousness writing, but we know that there's other involved. Like, really is an indication that you're going to have a bad time. How I don't know how many of you tried to read Naked Lunch, but I read that for 10 minutes, and then I'm like, I don't want to touch this. This is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Um, and I think that that the stream of consciousness writing also is like a false veneer of creativity um, and like right. genius, which I think disguised the fact that all these were lies because no one knew what the fuck was going on. Mm. Another thing about this is that there was a lack of quotation marks throughout the entire book. So you didn't even know who was talking and if, if someone was talking or if there was dialogue as opposed to something else, they just, he just used a new line. So even if none of this, even if none of this was fake, even if the whole thing was real, 
I could see someone being confused about what is going on and what is real and what is like mm. ideation, which ties exactly to what you were saying, Rebecca, earlier about the melding of these two and James Frey being like, oh, I don't know where I began and the truth and the truth yeah. stopped. Mm. I, it's, it's because of his writing style and he's a bad writer. <laughs> maybe it's maybe we should put like our relationship to to memoirs or like what our expectations are of a, a, a memoir is. And Here's sure. something I was going to put up that is similar to that, Clay. Uh, modern uh, modern society or our tangled relationship with truth. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yes. This okay. is from The Guardian. Our increased appetite for nonfiction is a crucial factor in both the inception of a li- million little pieces and the subsequent persecution of James Fry. Our recent desire for facts is an indication that we are recoiling from a culture that has grown increasingly synthetic. Perhaps it's not entirely unconnected that in a period of enormous political uncertainty, the best-selling publications at the news agent are reality magazines, and that documentary films are shown at the multiplex and nonfiction flies off the shelves. In this climate, the discovery that what appeared to be fact was in truth a manipulated text proved deeply unsettling to many. Quote, I think a lot of it had to do with what was happening and is still happening in our country. You know, Fry says, people feel frustrated by a lot of distortions by politicians, by members of the media, by movie stars, by tabloid journalists. And it was like a sort of confluence of events that I happen to be in the middle of. Mm. Okay. This is from the New York times. Unreliability is the axiom of our digital age. Truth has morphed into truthiness facts into factoids. People Photoshop themselves on social media and movies can fake almost anything with computer generated imagery. Is there still a line to be drawn or have truth and fiction blurred irretrievably? I like it. This is like the meme with someone knocking down the small domino and then the large domino is over there. This is like James Frey reads Bukowski as the small domino. And then the big <laughs> domino is like AI taking all of her. <laughs> oh, man. You know, this also is also kind of and this. But this makes me think of all like our obsession with the true crime and the podcast sort of true crime podcast, mm-hmm. obsession, which is like, uh-huh. we just can't seem to get enough of this. And how it's just sort of taken for granted that whatever journalist or it's not does usually not even a journalist. It's like somebody with a microphone who just is covering whatever story um, it they're just sort of inserting themselves in the story as well. And what what's often what's so crazy is that that will end up affecting the outcome of this sort of drama that's playing out. I, I, we just, uh, Adnan Syed, yeah, the, yeah. the, the yeah. original uh, Sarah Koenig documentary or whatever that was uh-huh. that like started the, that whole obsession. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, of course. Cereals. Like, in te- cereal. We wouldn't be here without cereal. No, we wouldn't yes. be here without right. cereal. So careful what you send to the alarmist jail. No, yeah. we, say our, we say our Sarah Koenig prayers every... We say our prayers to Sarah Koenig every night we before we go candle. to podcast bed. Yeah. Um, no, if we but, put that in, Sarah Koenig's gonna, gonna figure out a way to bust it out. We gotta be really careful. <laughs> yeah, we do. It's true. Um, no, but it's just... I don't know. I don't really have a th- thought here, but there is some kind of our obsession of- with like I, I I do believe it's like true crime. Um, I, I'm a sucker for it. If something is, if you tell me something is real and it's an interesting story, I 
will watch that over anything that's scripted. I want to just in response to that and throw something on the board that might be a little bit controversial. But to me, it's like when you think of like content, content is inherently creative, right? Like people aren't just like telling a story verbatim because no one really cares about that. So people tend to like, even if you're retelling something that happened to you, you may notice that sure. you like embellish a certain thing because it it has an effect for the audience. So to part of me is like, and it may be victim blaming, but like gullibility, like it's kind of on us for reading a memoir and taking it word for word, not thinking this guy clearly is like stretching the truth a little bit because he's writing a book. Yeah, I don't think it's that. I know. I, I, I think that you're you're on to something. I think it, to a certain extent, we are seeking out content entertainment, right? Mm hmm. To that point, I have something that I think is related to this that we can also try to throw in jail. I think willingness to give people second chances sure. is definitely something there. Um, just, let's talk about some of the other stuff that James Fry did after A Million Little Pieces. Now, he was on a multiple book deal with uh -huh. Doubleday, so he immediately followed up with my friend Leonard in 2005. In 2005. This was before everything broke, but in that novel, which was still written in the same absolute garbage fucking style, oh uh, that he he was with Lily, who was the, we are still not sure if she ever really existed, uh, which is a big thing, The the his girlfriend who ended up uh, killing herself but like this this story was about like them in a halfway house and him making friends with a mafia boss and that also had a lot of lies in it now again things didn't break but like he was still he was running with the story and no. got another publishing deal as even before this broke mm. like he was writing this book before he was on oprah's list which i think wow. is kind of interesting it was published afterwards but still um, so was this book meant to be a uh, part of his memoir or like an extension of his memoir? Was it supposed to be based on fact? Yeah, it was also it was it was published as a memoir. And then it is an autobiographical novel now when you check it out after the controversy broke. However, in late 2007, he signed a three book deal with mm -hmm. Harper Collins. Yes. Come on. It's like, oh, this James, this, this is Nan Talese again. Uh, oh, this James Frey guy is so hot. Everyone has, has a name in the mouth. We're going to have more things. So like he wrote three books after that shiny, shi bright, shiny morning was published in May tw 2008 and was, uh, was on the New York Times bestseller list. Even that's if it wild. got middling reviews, people still See, bought it. That to me, like now that's like capitalism or greed because it's like just because he's known now and not for a good reason we can make money off him right like so there is a scandal he's made it through and now people just out of our own macabre like curiosity are like well let it, let's see what that liar is writing now <laughs> like, yeah. yeah i'll check so it out funny yeah he's still doing it he's, he's still, still doing, doing it. it he's out here you know at least he's but i guess the difference is now he's not like this is all it's not this a lie. Is all real. He's just like, right. I'm a writer now. I'm writing stuff. Okay, great. That's all. Which take was that. allowed. But I mm -hmm. guess what what's interesting, and, and it comes back to us victim blaming, right? Ourselves, um, mm -hmm. as as audience <laughs> members, <laughs> is that when he was, I'm sure he was writing these these style or or you know, whatever his content was before he wrote a million little pieces. I'm sure it was similar. I don't know. I wish I knew what it was, but what got us interested. Oh, oh, this is what I read that it he had had a version of this memoir written before uh, and, and it, everyone passed on it. Right. Okay. But 
when he uh, said it was a memoir, then people were interested. Oh, suddenly it's raw and real, and wow, the journey that you went through. Yeah, we love that. We love a we love a fallen soul is, who perseveres, yeah, right? Love, like and the we hero love giving story. Them second chances, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Second chances. Did we put second chances up on the board? Sec, put second chances <laughs> yeah. up on the board. That's you only get one chance. <laughs> second chances. Hilariously, I'm now reading. He's also the CEO of an esports organization in New York. No. He's just following the hotness. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we uh, we are running out of time. So we are going to take a quick break and then start knocking things off the board. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right. Who's to blame for a million little pieces book scandal? Is it Jack Kerouac, Charles Bukowski, and Henry Miller? (laughs) Oprah? James Fry? Greed? The publishing industry? Publisher Nan Talese, Gay Talese, and the new journalism movement, <laughs> the modern mem- uh, memoirist, uh, stream of consciousness writing. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. We, go, That's, we got we it. We don't need stop, to go. Stop, anywhere. stop the podcast. We got it. Lazy writing. Modern society's tangled relationship with truth, consumer gull- gullibility, second chances, or the big C capitalism. Mm. Uh, I would love to knock some redundant stuff off the board if Agreed. that's helpful. Yes, I'm a, ga- I'm a games person. I feel like I just want to clear out and just yeah. have the ones that are true. Yeah, I go. think that either we choose the publishing industry or Nantalise. Let's let's go with Nantalise yes. for this one. It's a little yeah. bit more, more specific. specific. Love it. 
for sure. Um, I think also we should knock off greed and capitalism because I really like the other more specific high-minded ideas that we have down already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I- I'm with you. And I also feel Got like it. consumer... Gu- uh, Yes, Let, let's just take those off. I, I, sorry, that, not to go the opposite direction, but I want to add, because I feel like it was in <laughs> there, but uh-huh. we didn't say it was uh, genre decision making. How, how do we put this? It's like, how do you qualify something? It's like cat- categorizing nonfiction. Mm. So like, right? Like, because that was a big part of it. You said was when he dis- said it, it was a memoir, mm. it was hot. Interesting. So what do we call but it? Auto, autobiographic nonfiction or autobiographic novel. That's what it's called now. The sexiness of autobiography. Chris, you're really triggering me of all of these very stupid English major conversations <laughs> that I had in college. So we're going to take that. Just let's put it on and take it right off. <laughs> okay, you got it. <laughs> well, what, what, what are we calling it? That's so I can then immediately take it off. I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> Chris's thing. I would say no. I understand exactly what you're saying. Genre, genre, genre definition. Bending. Genre bending. And I think that that might be rolled up into the publishing industry. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> I like I like it when it was just Chris's thing. <laughs> I'll just put that. I'll put that in Chris's thing. I'm like, come on, Chris. Yeah, we got it. And then immediately cut. Yeah, got it. <laughs> now we're in a pickle. Rebecca, can we put our hands together and step off the cliff and take down all of the random writers we cited? Yeah, <laughs> all right. I think you're right, but I do think we should keep stream of consciousness writing. Oh, we and better. I- we goddamn better. Yeah. I'm also including Gay Talese as well. I think the journal we can take New with that. I want to yeah, that feels pretty to Gay Talese as well. Okay. I want to keep. Yes, I want to keep stream of consciousness because I. I don't know if we've already said this, but. I'll say it again because it's important. I think there was he hid behind the um, the style. Mm. Yes, 100%. and it made it so confusing that. And you said this, Eric, as well. Like it was so confusing that it could have made people think it was more interesting than it was especially no, I, because you cited jack kerouac and i right. also cited hunter s thompson those are the two dudes who did the con the stream of consciousness writing it's the right. writing form not necessarily the two people who could actually achieve it and it seemed neat at the time yes. i want to i want to take the new journalism movement off as well okay. as a okay. as a peace offering to rebecca to okay. keep <laughs> to keep the stream of consciousness yes. writing on the board. Do, and do we take gay talise off with that or do you just want to take off new journalism no, movements. Both. Yeah, I think yeah. that we can okay. roll yeah, that all into NAN for okay, sure. Okay, great. Yeah. Now, modern society society's tangled relationship with truth. Mm. Mm. I feel like that is that and consumer gullibility yeah. are kind of like dancing around the same thing if you want to yes. fold one into the other. Yes, I agree. I think we we keep modern society's tangled relationship with truth and take off consumer gullibility okay second chances i get it but i'm i'm weary of second sending second chances to the alarmist jail agreed for sure (laughs) some second chances are pretty great we do want to hear those stories right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah would it be really funny if we took james frey off the board because like, <laughs> I think that like out of everything we have written here, he seems to be the least culpable, even though he wrote these books and said it was true. He's just a guy who wishes he was a screenwriter. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I, I kind of agree with you. You think oh he's God. a victim of the industry? 
I no, do. I think, he's, I I think, think he's, he's. I think he is. I mean, but but I think that he is a victim of the expect. You know. Well, I guess, right. To your I guess point, that just means he sucks. Yeah, you're right, Eric. I, yeah, I, if we're gonna <laughs> take second it. chances off the board, I think that James Frey is too stupid to have like masterminded this. A lot of people needed to push this thing yes, through. I get that. To make it the massive I, hit that it was. I love. Right. I love taking, not blaming him for this. Just to hit his ego, if you ever listen to oh it. Oh my you know god! I mean? yeah. It's like he's not even interesting enough to blame fully. Let's sure. like not even a big slap. You think? Side. Not even a big slap. Like he's no, just off I, the board. I, I'm. Let's I, keep him on the side. The best thing to guess, do with these people yeah. is ignore them. Yes. Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> okay. I'm into it. All he right. didn't even make the top five. Get <laughs> absolutely <laughs> fucked. He's so far down. Um, we have Oprah. Publisher Nantalise, The Modern Memoirist, Stream of Consciousness Writing, Modern Society's Tangled Relationship <laughs> with Truth. I think we can fold the modern modern society's tangled relationship with truth into the modern memoirist. Sure. Agreed. What do you sure, think about that? That's a more like specific that. way of saying that. Um, because we like uh, it, right? Obviously, it's successful because we keep buying it. My game brain is going off a little bit here, and I think maybe this will help us. Okay. If we pair like with like and have them fight, if we have the two people <laughs> and the two ideas battle it out, and then we can we can do the final four Ooh, and I then have like a champion. That. Does that mm. work? Am I, I being that. too gamey? Is does that work? No, super gamey, but I, it's super great. gamey, but I'm I'm into it. I'm into <laughs> it. So you're gonna have Oprah and Nantalise go at it, right? Yeah, correct. Yes. So what do we do? We think who's more culpable here, Oprah or Nantalise? I mean, I think it's Nantalise personally. Wow, I was gonna go with Oprah. Well, I'll tell you why. I think Nan. I you gotta do your uh, fact checking, right? Don't you? Don't you just do it like a? She doesn't even have to do it. Just like one of your assistants, like check in on a few of these crazy uh parts of the story i mean if there was a and again i'm sorry i haven't read the book but if there's a train you know disaster that he's quoting like hey just like follow Mm. up on that it does have a very (laughs) you had one job kind of feel to it the nantalise which i like my thought is they're both and they're both doing the same thing. They're both in the entertainment industry. They're both trying to sell something, right? But if you just think about it, like from a technical standpoint, Nan comes a little early on in the narrative before can it I, even gets to Oprah. Can I, Nate, give two pieces of information that I think will push it over to one of them? Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. one, is that in, one is that in 2003... Uh, a reporter reached out to the publisher and said, hey, some of this stuff doesn't really make sense. And they're like, oh, we're going to address that. And they never did. Right. So that did come up. So that yep. is like all very early on, there was suspicion that this was not going. This That's was not a, true. a strike against Nan. Red yeah. flag. Um, the next book on Oprah's <laughs> book list <laughs> was Night by Ellie Wiesel, oh, which is the only thing that knocked James Frey off of number one on the New York Times bestseller list. As you might know, Night is the groundbreaking memoir of the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like, our, Ellie Wiesel's coming and fixing all of your problems, <laughs> Oprah. <laughs> Absolute shout out to Chaboy, the best way to talk about uh, the Holocaust and educating people for years. Ellie Wiesel is a goddamn gem, and I think he absolves a little bit from Oprah. So I do think Nantalise is the one who takes it. All right. So at least we agree 
that one of the uh, either the slap or the the jail uh, jail is, sentence goes yeah, to goes man. to Nancy. Like okay, it. good. Mm. Now so she's knocked Oprah off the bra- the bracket. Yep. Yep. I'm sure you will have Oprah on again. It's fine. It's possible. possible. (laughs) We'll get her. Um, The modern memoirist and stream of consciousness writing. Yikes. I just feel like. Which is a bigger plague on humanity? (laughs) Stream of consciousness writing is like the worst phrase. It just seems like it's so like. The arrogance of that. And if you've ever read it, you probably like. I usually never finish. I can't like. <laughs> it's called a I'm not first. That it's book. just called the first draft without like right paragraphs. without edits. So it's just lazy. This is yeah. pure laziness. It's journaling can't it's be journaling. bothered. It's journaling. Like <laughs> wait, I love the idea that Chris is like, oh hey, I gotta write this really important email. Can someone look it over? And then it's just like no punctuation, <laughs> only yes. words, garbage words. <laughs> That's how I like to start. Whatever comes out, just raw. <laughs> I don't let punctuation or spelling get in the way. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, but I, I think, think what's more dangerous, I think it's the most annoying thing is is the the style of writing. But the what's more dangerous is the modern ooh, who uses it interesting as a tool. Yes, as a Gosh, weapon that does feel right. The way you just said that because it's just changing uh, the way we want to consume content. Sure. And the parameters that we feel like need to be in place in order for it to be thrilling and exciting enough for us. What about an old fashioned, just good story? But this this is why when a slap like the, these publishers should be like, uh, we're done with this stream of consciousness. If you modern memoirs come to me with that, then get out of here. But I, here's the thing, though. I've read <laughs> plenty of memoirs that were great. Even modern memoirs written yeah. in the right. po- in the postmodern and post postmodern oeuvre in which we exist. See, Chris, this is why I don't want to fucking talk about genres because <laughs> because I, I sound like this. Um, that like, but like, no stream of consciousness writing has ever been good. But the fact that it still breaks through, the mm. I think that that's a that's a worse thing. Stream of consciousness is always bad, while this particular play, like the worst version of the modern memoirist is what happened here. But there are plenty of modern memoirists who are living their lives. I mean, it's all influencer mm. culture. It's everything. The way that we document right. ourselves is ex- yeah. is an extension of this. But I do think it's problematic because if you th- even if you think about influence influencer culture, it's not really true. But but it's being True. sold as like this is my life. This is my real life. Here's a little sneak peek into, you know, the things I do all day. But at the end of the day, you know that they're just trying to sell you things or they're giving you the, you know, highlight reel. Mm-hmm. If if an influencer was doing just like stream of conscious posts, would they still be in, in like would they be a successful influencer or would they just be, you know? <laughs> no, no one would want to read it or see So it. who is it? So, so is it the mem- is it the influence or is it the stream of consciousness? Let me let me pose something here. Yes, I think if the modern memoirist moves on, Nantalise is complicit in the building up of the modern memoirist. Yes, so I think she ends up winning out because she is the creator of that. She is yes. a the, someone all the way at the top of the publishing industry hmm. uh, and has propped that up. If stream of consciousness writing wins, 
I think that it might actually beat Nantalise. So I don't know. I, I feel like I'm pred- maybe I'm future casting, which is against Here's, the spirit of the stream show. of conscious writing think, seems like a virus. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think that you're right. And mm, this is where my brain goes. I think we send Nan- the publisher, Nantalise, to the alarmist jail and we slap stream of consciousness writing. Wow. I okay. love that. I think that's really fair. Because I think you make a good point that she's really um, propelling this this uh, genre that I think is like because you're right, Eric. Like done well, it, it's a very interesting style. Yeah. But you just have to trust that the author or the journalist or whatever is 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 it has the. It's taking care of their audience. Their audience, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and and that it's like, do you trust everyone? No, (laughs) I trust very few people. You know what's really funny about this is like we really did propagate what happens with like terrible industries, and like we didn't take down the industry itself. We took down one bad actor, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and everyone else gets to thrive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Don't worry, I've spent plenty of time in jail. I was in jail when the bootleggers (laughs) came, and I had to. (laughs) Oh, Nan. (laughs) Um, All right, I'm going to call it stream of consciousness writing. You're getting the big slap. Publisher Nantalise, you're going to the alarmist jail. Hell yeah. Well, we couldn't have done this without you, Eric. I'm really glad that you were our guest for this episode. Thank you. you- yeah, you really <laughs> brought it. I mean, some you really did. We sometimes get lucky where we get our guest is like an almost like right there with an expert. <laughs> your English degree, your in- your intense knowledge of the subject. Oh, I, I thought you were teaching gonna, us about new journalism. I thought you were going to say an expert impressionist. That too. <laughs> <laughs> we got an expert, it, and we got Nan on this episode. Yeah, it's that's right. Action packed. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Eric. I am so happy to be here. And yes, you can absolutely tell because stream of consciousness writing got all the way to the got all the way to the final <laughs> game. I don't think anyone, any other one of your guests would have brought that. Exactly. Yeah, your, <laughs> nope. your agenda wins. I'm really upset that I, I forgot to say this. I really wanted to put sprinkles <laughs> on the board. Oh, for the book cover? For the book, the book cover. Oh. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, Imagine oh, sprinkles made it, but I didn't okay. get to say that. But it yeah, was yeah, some. Yeah. I I love this. This is this is a really fun game, and I could do this this game all the time, which is uh, <laughs> how I view all my podcasts. If it's a game I want to play. Following the scandal, James Fry was fired by his manager, dropped by his two book contract with his publisher, and sued by various readers. Ridiculed by the press, hunted by reporters, and bullied by ex-fans on the internet, James Fry managed to stay sober. In 2008, he published another bestseller, Bright Shiny Morning, a novel. Visit our website and let us know who you think is to blame at www.thealarmistpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram at The Alarmist Podcast and on Twitter at Alarmist The. You can also send us your thoughts via email to thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode was produced and engineered by Clayton Early with fact-checking by Chris Smith and editing by Molly Hockey. 
Thank you to our associate producer and researcher, Alex Paul. The Alarmist is executive produced by Rebecca Delgado-Smith and the Erios Network. Tune in next week. We'll be discussing the Attica Prison Uprising. Erios. Powered by ACAST. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.